Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Anthony Resinello. Anthony is a New York Times featured social and dating expert and the founder of Wolf and Garden, a company that helps successful men become iconic bachelors and meet their soulmates. Anthony, can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into the work that you do? Sure. Um, it started all about 15 years ago. I guess I was really, I was really feeling down about a girl one night, and podcasts just got popular. And I was like, man, there's got to be a podcast on dating because there's a podcast on freaking everything so i i checked and there was something and then from there i just realized that like social skills could be a thing that you developed like i just never knew that i just thought that as a kid you're just you know you're you are who you are and if you're cool you're cool and that's all that it is and so when I realized that I could actually improve myself, I got obsessed with it. And uh, that's really it for my background. I just was a nerdy, nerdy man that was obsessed with uh, social skills and, and improving my ability to meet people and women. And uh, I was probably 20, I think. And um, so it was, yeah, it was more than 15 years ago, I think. And, um, and then after a while, I I started like a little blog and people were following it and then it got a little popular and I cheekily called myself my birthday pony just because I thought it was so cheesy how like pickup artists had all of these <laughs> cool, exciting names, basically trying to overcompensate for how much of losers they actually were. and. Uh, I was like, I called the blog My Birthday Ponies Tips on Getting Girls because I just wanted it to be as cheesy as possible. And it got kind of popular. And um, from there, I started holding like weekend boot camps and, uh, and stuff like that. Cool. What, what were some of the most common challenges that you found were coming up with your clients? You mean like 10 years ago or now? Uh, you could talk about both. Uh, I'm I'm curious, still interested in your journey, and so what were the things that came up early on? But yeah, as a human being, we generally progress and develop, and as a consequence, the people around us grow and develop and change. So yeah, I think we could start with one and move into the latter. All right. Well, um, so a long time ago, I mean, I think, I think what would be easier to say is for, for a little bit, I worked with kids and teaching them social skills. I thought that would be a really good place to start because adults have built up all of these habits over their years and it has stopped them from being able to actually learn fucking anything and change. Uh, it is true that once we get older, it's very hard to change. We can change, it's just very hard compared to kids where they don't really have much stuff that's automated for them, except for like, I don't know, like crying or something. <laughs> but aside from that, like it's pretty easy to, to mold them. 
into a positive way. So I, I started working with kids and it was true. Everything that I was doing was, was working. Their social skills and confidence were growing. Parents were loving it. But I just kept having adults contact me for uh, coaching. And it ended up that the business for adults was doing much better than the business for teaching kids, mainly because I wasn't a parent or a doctor or above 30, really. So I didn't really have any kind of credentials to help my message spread like in a book. But, um, but for adults, I was a single 20-something man, which is exactly the, <laughs> the type of person that um, men would want to be uh, coached by. So I started working with guys, and the issues that they have, I would say it's all basically manifested, some sort of manifestation of fear, insecurity, you know, like there's, it's just, there's so, it's just all manifested in the fear of rejection and the ego needing to look good in front of people. That's basically what it's all sourced in. I'm curious when you, I want to come back to this. I, I generally agree with it, but I want to go back to what you said about working with kids. When you were working with kids, what were the types of things that you were doing? Um, I was actually doing a lot of demonstration. So um, it would be more, it would look kind of like I was a glorified nanny. I would come work with kids for a short period of time, kind of, uh, we would go to the park, we would go to, I don't know, generally to the park and, and to playgrounds. And um, I would demonstrate really strong social skills around the kids and then lead them and say, come on, let's go do this. Um, also, as I was doing it, because kids don't like to be told, adults like to be told, kids don't like to be told. So with kids, you kind of have to sprinkle advice within conversation or they don't listen to you. So as you're joking around, as you're talking about something, you say, oh, I really feel this way, and I think this, and I think this, and then I demonstrate it. And so because of that, they're, they're growing based on kind of seeing me as kind of like a cool, a cool new friend that they, that's like, whoa, cool, wow, he did that, and he did that, and, and now he says this stuff. And so I believe it because he did that cool stuff that I like. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of that type of stuff. Um, and then I also did a lot of like, uh, teach parents about like a lot of discipline, but that really doesn't have as much to do with kind of social skills. <laughs> Can you explain what that means? Yeah. So, uh, a lot of parents have kids that have tantrums and just are kind of like emotional wrecks and parents don't know what to do with it. Um, and so the old school way to deal with discipline is to get angry and scream and yell and punish really hard. And like, it's just all that type of stuff. The new school way to discipline is to literally do the opposite because uh, parents these days used to have parents that were really angry and, and, and just uh, basically mean when they were disciplining. And so new parents want to do the opposite, which is also really bad. 
because discipline should kind of be like it it should have no emotion other than just calmness and a kind of uh presence to you and and just firmness with new parents what they like to do is they like to get really apologetic i'm sorry what can i do for you like i literally saw a mom ask if she wanted if if the kid wanted a cupcake after she just like threw this crazy tantrum and broke things through the house like i was like are you serious You're, like giving her candy because she had a tantrum makes no sense um so it's kind of like new parents deal with deal in guilt <laughs> old parents just deal in anger um both of those wouldn't work so uh i had to I had to teach parents the uh, discipline stuff too. I think it's fascinating because I'm curious how this carries over to our, to our adult lives. Like how do we, do you think there's a correlation between the way that we discipline ourselves? <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, I think, I think today men are kind of also emotional wrecks. Um, and they, we discipline ourselves based off of emotion, I guess. Yeah. I think we do. And I think we should, a big part of what I teach is presence and staying calm and in control at all times. And, and also while you're feeling like, so we, we all feel anxious. We all feel angry. We all feel, we all feel those things. And the difference between somebody that knows how to deal with his emotions and one who doesn't is kind of this, calm direction um so somebody that doesn't know how to deal with his emotions when he gets angry or when he gets uh, anxious he'll go oh god i'm getting anxious right now why can't i do this why can't i figure it out oh and then he kind of goes into this spiral of just kind of i don't know just like worrying and guilt and the person that knows how to deal with his emotions he'll feel anxious he'll feel really nervous and he'll go stop all right let's see what we're feeling right now let's see the source of it let's see how to deal with it and now that we know all that stuff we're going to jump into a positive place we're going to feel calm and we're going to continue and uh it's actually really really hard for like i literally think like 99 percent of people to do that it's bl it blows my mind how many people don't know how to just like deal with themselves <laughs> emotionally. Okay. Two things come up. The first one is I want to go back to something you said. Um, and then I'm going to move to something that you just said. The first one is you mentioned the idea of being in control at all times. And I feel like this can be interpreted in a multitude of ways. Can you describe what that means for you? Basically, I'm controlling my thoughts. I'm controlling my emotions. That's, you know, it's as simple as it, as simple as it could get. I'm just controlling things that I have. So I'm not saying that I don't get angry accidentally or anxious, but when it happens, I could control it. I could, I could stop it. I could direct it where I want it to go. I feel like we can sort of lead our emotions or we can accept them, but I don't, I don't know if we can control them. And I would argue actually that we like, even like if you study mindfulness or sort of presence, like that you're, you're sort of accepting of an emotion. Um, you observe it so that you're not 
tied up with it. But the idea of like, and it could just be like a language. And that's why I was sort of digging in because I'm curious what your thoughts are. And I'm like, maybe I'll learn something new. Yeah, I think I think accepting emotions is the first step. But I think after you accept them, um, that's when you could actually mold them and change them. So like, basically, I could I could give you like a perfect example. Last weekend, I was going to the city to coach a bunch of people, and during the week, I'm pretty I've become pretty introverted. I'm working, I'm on the computer, just basically what most guys do, and. Uh, then I come out of the train station and it's crazy hustle bustle. The horns are blowing. People are screaming. Everything's all fucking messy. And I'm feeling anxious because it was like, oh, I'm not used to all of this pandemonium, this screaming at me. And um, my body is kind of just like uh, on edge. And what I did is what I always do. I stopped for a moment. And I literally said, the, all, all of these things that you feel badly about, choose to feel good about them. And that's all I did. I just chose to feel happy about them. And then I chose, and then I was, I was happy. <laughs> so yeah, I, I literally change, I could change my emotions at will. I could change how I feel. If I wanted to feel really angry right now, I could. And you could too. If you if you really tried hard enough, you could be really angry right now. And if you wanted to be really sad, you could think of sad thoughts and be sad. If you wanted to be really happy, you could do the same thing. What is that process? Like, let's say that you wanted to be really happy right now, right? Like, what would that process be like for you? I think it's a mixture of thoughts and physicality and um, kind of just calling up, that's a good way to say it, calling up emotions. So I'm sure anyone listening now can remember a time where they were ecstatic. So you start experiencing that time and you just call up that emotion, bring it to you. Um, kind of the same way you could call up a smell. So if you, wanted to smell what i don't know orange juice smelled like right now i could kind of smell it a little bit not totally but a little bit i'm calling up emotions i couldn't call up smells and when i do that i start feeling it a little bit uh also what helps is physicality so i mean this is taught a lot in just basic self-help stuff but basically, the way you stand, the way you walk, the way your body language is, the way you speak, um, all of these things will start assuming certain feelings and, and stuff for you. Um, and then I literally will think happy thoughts, just like Peter Pan does. So like, I, one thing that really, truly like, gets me feeling happy is appreciation and getting humble. So thinking about how humble like, like I am for the gift of being alive is just mind-blowing to me. And every time I think about it, it kind of really puts me in this appreciative, happy, joyous place. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a ton of tools to do this. 
But basically, whenever I'm in a place where I don't want to be, because maybe I I lost myself for a minute, and um, I said, "Whoa, hold on! I didn't know. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to be in this spot. How did I end up here?" I take a stop, take a breather, and I just use one of the kind of multitude of little tools to get me there. So much of it is just based in presence and positivity. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's awesome. There's a lot of, um, I mean, so so much of life, and I mean, for us, we do like a lot of dating and relationship stuff, and um, a lot of it's like, what is the headspace that you're in? Like, right? How do you feel about yourself, and how do you feel about your environment and the world and the person you're sitting across from, and like, how those feelings manifest into your body language and your choices? And I'm always fascinated to hear other people's like sort of approach or processes or whatever for like how they navigate their emotions or their state of being or their consciousness or whatever. It's really interesting to hear you talk through that. I have a couple of questions. Um, and, and this is in certain ways, maybe it's moving forward, certain ways it's digressing. Oh, well, I know I was going to mention two things. I didn't write down the second thing that I, I was going to comment on. So people are listening who might be like, oh, what was the second thing? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, so for the time being, I'm going to move on. Um, I wanted to ask you, and this question came from Mike, the, the guy who's the producer of the podcast. He said, like, if a guy has little or no dating experience, where do you feel like he should start? I mean, if I was his coach, I would first start looking at his actual social life and seeing if he's depressed or not. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people that are learning dating <clears throat> and get try to get help in dating actually tend to be depressed. Um, and that is different than having a great social life, great job, everything's going well for them, and they just haven't met the right person type of thing. That's a huge difference where a depressed person usually has no job or has, doesn't have really the job they want and kind of stays most of his time at home and watching TV, playing video games, watching porn not really hanging out with a lot of friends that he's excited about or that are happy as well um, or that are purposeful, successful. And um, so I would first try to see that because th there would be a big difference. Um, if it was the depressed person, he needs to get happy first. There's no way he's going to do any really good job in dating aside from like, I don't know, just like finding people to hook up with online you know, that he's not really excited about unless he gets, he focuses on his happiness and success. That's really, it. and his health. Those three things need to be there before he could really start dating. Of course, I'm not saying like, don't date until you're happy. Like you could date, but I'm just saying like real positive, exciting women aren't going to really come into your life until you're at that point. Um, and that's just the kind of truth of it. Like there's really no way around that. Um, now if you are, you know, happy, successful and healthy, and I don't mean successful, like making a million dollars a year. I mean, successful in you're doing what you want to do, um, in life. And, if you kind of have those three things going, you kind of have a good social life. You have lots of friends. 
the first thing I would tell you to do is, I mean, the thing that anybody would tell anyone to do, go meet women that you're interested in. I mean, I think it's, it's great advice. I, for us, like I've taken all the questions that people ask me over the years and I've, and I've sort of like distilled them into like a series of categories. And I could have done this lots of different ways, but the way that I did it was um, I like it broken down into five. The very first one is self-development. And when we talk about self-development, we're talking about the things that you're talking about. How do you get yourself into emotional, psychological, financial, uh, social place like where I mean, there's more, but how do you get yourself into a place where you can go out and meet people? And if you're not in that space, it's really hard. If if you're not feeling happy about your life or your situation or your living situation or your financial situation or whatever, if you're not feeling happy, then oftentimes guys try to date. They're looking for, they think they're going to find that happiness and that external form of validation that they'll get or they think that they'll get by by dating or dating someone attractive or having sex or being more sexually active. And, and what happens is like, it might work a little bit, but it just like creates, I mean, new problems pop up. And so the first is just focus on yourself. And and then the next one, after a guy's feeling good about himself, we usually say when you, you feel great, you expand. When you feel bad, you contract. And that, that's true, whether it's your body language or your the conversation thing, subjects you're talking about or like your emotions or and the space that you take up. But the next is like you go out and you you expand your social circle. You go out and you meet people. And for guys, a subset of that's going to be women. A subset of that's going to be women that they're going to want to date. So you go out and you meet people. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go through the whole, like all five of them now because I want to focus on the things that you're saying. But you, you mentioned happiness, health, and success. And I, I kind of mentioned the same things. But when you're talking to somebody about building happiness, health, and success, like what would you tell them to do? I know for success, you you said... And, and that was quite clear um, that they do the things that they want to be doing. Like, and, and there's like a sort of an alignment integrity with that, right? Like you're, I'm doing what, what I want to, what I'm doing is like consistent with my values. And so like that makes me feel aligned or it makes me feel honest or yeah. like an integrity. I had a feeling like that was where you're going. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you said, yeah. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. Where, when, when you talk about these, whether it's success or happiness or health, what type of things do you recommend guys do? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think the success thing is pretty simple. I mean, get a job that pays you enough and is exciting for you. Um, I think, you know, like that's pretty simple. If you're younger, then you have to go to college and get trained in that place. Um, for happiness, it's a lot of the stuff I was talking about before, which is appreciation for life um, and practicing a lot of presence and positivity. And eventually you get into habits where you constantly are just practicing those things automatically and you don't think about it and you're just feeling happy at all times. And I think health is also really simple too. You just sleep enough at the same times every night. exercise and don't eat like an asshole and that's basically it i I think it's generally true (laughs) but i mean it's it's so hard in life we have like all these messages that are constantly bombarding us and i mean i thought of the diet one whether it's fucking eat cheetos or cupcakes or whatever and it's i'm not saying never to eat those things but like 
when you think they're one of like the four food groups, I know that they're people are not using the four food groups anymore. <laughs> if I'm dating yeah. myself, but yeah. the idea like is that um, if you think it's part of the health pyramid, or you think like if it becomes a staple of your like dietary survival, like there's probably something wrong. Um, yeah, I I really I went to this talk recently, and this girl, she's a doctor. She was talking about how food is just the best medicine. And we take it for granted because we just eat to survive. But like what we put in our body, it matters. And and you're right, like movement, uh, movement releases endorphins. And like, I mean, these things are fairly simple, but in life we get a lot of mixed messages and or, or a lot of messages. There's a lot of like chatter, whether it's internal, internally or externally, that make things that are rather simple seem complicated. Yeah, I agree with you. We get bombarded. Um, and then you're out with friends and you're at a movie theater and the only thing they sell is candy and popcorn and soda. And you're like, ah, shit, <laughs> that's not what I eat. And so then you decide to have it and then you go down a spiral. I'm saying you, it's really me. <laughs> oh, I, I, I do the same. I, I, do, go down I do the same thing. Like one of my, that's really funny that you brought that up because I bring up um, movie theaters a lot. I go to the movies a ton and I have a traditional schedule. And so, I pop in movies when I have time and, and, uh, it's hard. You start smelling that popcorn or I start smelling that you again. I'm smelling, if I start smelling that popcorn, I tend to crave it. And it's hard. Like I'll go through periods where I'll eat it and the periods where I don't, but like, I'm like, why don't they serve any salads? Like everything here is fried. Why don't they have fresh fruit? Like, why is everything salted? It's like going to McDonald's. They're selling fat, sugar, and salt. And like, but yeah, it's, it's true. Um, yeah. And so, and so like to go back to that depression thing, the reason why not a ton of men that are already happy, successful, and healthy are looking for dating advice is because when you have those three things in line, you're probably going to meet somebody great, <laughs> like just automatically. Um, it's a lot of guys that are depressed and don't have their life together that are looking for dating advice um, and they they go, well, how, and, and then online marketing, it goes, just say these three things and you'll become a pussy magnet, you know, like, and guys go, whoa, I just have, I don't have to do anything. I just have to say these three words and, and that's how it all begins. And then that's how the kind of like dating advice world kind of sucks people in and keeps them on the internet and watching videos for hours and they're not really doing anything with their lives still. Um, when the simplicity is get happy, get purposeful and get healthy as possible. And literally the higher you have all of those things, the more easily, more easily it is to date the women that you want. It's pretty simple. Um, now if you get to that point and you still don't have um, the right woman in your life, well, then there's stuff we could talk about. But really, if those things aren't in line, it's it's probably going to be those three things for most people. I started laughing because I started thinking, like, if there were three things, what would those words be? Like, if there was three words they could say. Oh, yeah. And and yeah. Uh, can you think of, like, what, what they might be? I'll tell you what I, I came up with. Oh, <laughs> um, probably, like, dog, <laughs> uh, daddy, and 
um, sup. <laughs> I, I, okay. I came up with, I love you to yourself. Oh, what? oh, I thought you were like, I thought we were still being silly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, we can be, but I, oh, that's yeah, what yeah. I was no, like, yeah. I mean, I, I just like was thinking, I'm like, well, what if, there, if like there were three things, <laughs> like, is it, like, what would those three words be? And I'm like telling yourself, I love you and believe in it. And, uh, I think, and then to you and to the world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, this like idea, we close ourselves off, um, emotionally when I say we, like, I mean, it includes myself at various points in my life, sometimes more than others. We acquire these traumas and like, we don't open up when we feel good. We expand. We like, we are sillier. We, we're stupid. Like we, like, I mean, it's the way our, our closest friends oftentimes see us. It's like, like we open up and it's, I mean, it's hard. Like you said at the beginning of the conversation, oftentimes people are worried about the way that they're perceived or the way that they perceive themselves or like, um, let's say somebody is like out and about and they want to, they see someone that they want to talk to. Maybe it's in class or work or, uh, maybe it's in aisle, the aisle of the grocery store where they're buying pasta or something. I don't know. But, um, how would you recommend a guy approach a girl that he sees for the first time and wants to start a conversation, especially if he wants to build attraction? Yeah. Um, so my advice is pretty um, opposite to what most people would say here. Uh, but I only say it just because I've been doing this for a really long time and I've tried literally everything. And, um, most people want to know again, what's that thing I could say? How could I act? What are all those things? And, uh, the reality of it is first of all, um, it should be less about how do I build attraction in this girl that I'm meeting? And it should be more about, well, am I, is, is this girl going to fit into what I want in my life? Is she going to be the type of girl that I want to be with? Um, and because I've studied men that are really good with women, these are how they think when a man is really charming and really successful with women, he doesn't go around going, how can I attract her? He doesn't think about that. The first thing he's probably thinking is, oh, there's a cute girl. And two, uh, he already knows that the types of women that he is going to connect with are going to like him anyway so he doesn't have to worry if about attracting because he knows he's already a great guy he he has values in his life that he's living by he lives by his purpose and otherwise in other ways he he's successful in what he wants to do so he's proud of himself he's happy so he loves himself he loves others he's healthy so we know he looks dope and because of all those things he doesn't have any fear or or thoughts of how do i get this girl attracted all he does is just treat a girl like a friend and that makes everyone go wait you're saying the friend zone is the way and yeah i'm actually saying that and that i think will probably get a lot of guys going what the fuck is this guy talking about um and basically what i found is that Women are used to everything. They're used to the guy acting cool. They're used to the guy acting really romantic. And they know that none of those things are really 
a true example of that person. Um, but when a man could just treat a girl like his friend, and what I mean is like your best friend, what happens is all kind of interesting things start happening. When you treat somebody like your best friend, who are you? Well, you are your 100% self. You're your best self. You're your funniest self. You're, you're all of this, this selfs. You are the ultimate person because you know that when you're with your best friend, he trusts you. He thinks you're the dopest dude ever. Um, and so you, you assume that feeling. You assume that kind of dynamic with her. And what kind of happens is it takes her off guard because she's looking for some sort of uh, how, what is this guy's play? What is this guy's angle? How is he going to drop his smooth line? Or how is he going to like ask me on a dinner date and give me flowers at the end of the night and try to kiss me and all of these things? And when she sees none of it, it's a weird reaction in her because it, she's not used to it. She's so used to men trying to find something aside from him just being himself and treating a girl like a normal person. And um, there's a funny thing I realized throughout the years is the only trick that women can't figure out is the trick of not doing any tricks. And then that fucking short circuits their brain. They don't know what to do. <laughs> um, and so from there, you literally treat her like a friend, like you friend zone her in a way. Um, at the end, you'd be like, you're really awesome. We should hang out sometime. And she'll be like, sure, okay, fine. And you could keep hanging out with her. And from there, now, I always give, before I go on, I only give the amount of advice I think is necessary until more advice is needed. <laughs> so. As you noticed, I didn't talk yet about hooking up. Why? Because I don't want to give some advice on hooking up if it's going to happen naturally. And most of the time, if everything I just said is true and happened, then there's like a 90% chance those two people are already going to just hook up because they like each other, they connect. There's no facade going on. The walls are down. They feel natural with each other. Um, now, listen, if a guy is meeting a girl in a supermarket and he asks her to hang out and they connect really well, there is a very, very little chance if, if you have your happiness, your success, and your health together, there's a very little chance she's going to go, oh, the nice new friend I could have, my little buddy. I'm going to bring him around and I'm going to just keep him in my pocketbook and I'm just going to keep him and pet him on the head like my little chihuahua. It's just not going to happen. People blow the friend zone way, way, way out of proportion. They make it seem like it's the worst thing in the world that happens and, and you have to do everything you can to stay away from it, which is not true. Now. If at that time you guys still haven't hooked up and hasn't gotten intimate, well, then I got advice for you, but you probably don't need it. Dating coach Chris Luna here. 
This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. I mean, I think there's a lot of truth in what you're saying. Um, one of the things I talk a lot, a lot about is like, there's different ways that we can organize you in a way, like when you, I'm seeing like somebody who's a client, in a way that is going to like more effectively communicate the things that they want to communicate if they need to do that. But for a lot of guys, it's like, and when I say that, it's like, how would you tell stories or how do you ask questions or how do you, if somebody keeps breaking body language, breaking rapport with their body language, how do you mirror somebody or how do you show that you're, I mean, we would do this naturally if like we're fully present, but mm-hmm. um, exactly. so, sometimes people need a little bit of direction, but for attraction, it's pre-work. And I have a guy that I'm mentoring now and I, and I've talked to him about this. I said, look, man, like. If you love yourself, you feel comfortable to yourself, you're going to be able to attract somebody in your life. But if you want more options, you need to fucking diet. You need to get into the gym <laughs> like, or, or like find a running club, sign, join a basketball league. Find something that's going to allow you to get your health in the right place because what will happen is you'll get more options. Like um, if you need to get your finances straight. So like find what you want to do with your life. A lot of that's trial and error, but find out what you want to do with your life. Find a purpose develop a craft and figure out how to support yourself with that craft. Like people make money doing just about anything you can imagine, figure out what it is that you want to do that's going to make money and, and get to a point where you're, you feel financially stable. Cause if you're out at dinner or you're grabbing drinks with somebody and you're worried that this is the last hundred bucks you have, then that's going to cause you to behave in certain ways or create anxieties where it's going to be, it's going to cause you to disconnect. So get your finances in, in order. Um, like, and, and I could work through all of these, but like the point is attraction comes from, it's like pre-work, right? It's like before you approach That's, her. If, yeah, it's if, perfectly if, said, yeah. If you're worried that, that what I'm going to say to this girl has to be so interesting that needs to get her attention, you've fucking already lost. Like, it, like you're coming from an emotional perspective where you're like an emotional deficit where um, and unless she's in that same state of mind, which is not really a very good state of mind, she's going to screen you out. And so that, that's the first part. The second part is like this idea of being friends. It's true. Like I may tell, I've had guys who come in and they come from other places, like other, they've taken boot camps and crap from other people and they come in and they're like over-sexualizing everything. And what the person taught them was how do you, um, basically how do you polarize? 
And how do you polarize a situation where like I, I say this, I get a reaction and now um, either that reaction is going to be negative or that reaction is going to be the reaction I want. Most of the time it's going to be negative, but every once in a while I'm going to get the reaction I want. And I, I kind of consider this like dating for fucking idiots. And like, yeah. I've, I've just like seen the trauma that it creates. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Like if you, you can read what people, like you can read, there's like all these sort of nuanced things. You don't have to like go that far there's all these subtle things like um is she facing you when you touch her is she touching you back like is she engaging in the conversation is she asking you questions is she leaning in like how is her breathing like there's all these sort of nuanced things that when you're conscious you pick up intuitively and and if you're struggling a little bit you can learn to identify and become aware of and and uh like I try to tell guys, like if you wake up in the morning, like have you ever woken up in the morning and didn't say like, I hope I don't meet like a really cool, awesome person who like has the same interests and as I do and like sees me for like who I really am. And like, and then in addition, like they don't look like they have any crazy sores on their arms or face and they don't smell and like they seem to dress okay. Like it's basic stuff. It's like, okay, like I'm groomed. Like I care about the way that I clean myself. <laughs> like that I'm aware of like, of how I present myself to the world but not inhibited by it like I am like I'm comfortable with myself and and that translates and like and and if you can create if you can nurture that that just like that genuine connection where someone's like I like this human being I want to hang out with them again or if they call when you text them and you call that person they're going to answer they're going to respond and it might not be the moment you text them but they'll do it or if their life is going through chaos the next time they see you they're like oh I wanted to connect with you so I didn't respond and and it just just happens and that leads us to the next part so um if you want if a guy does get to the point where he's connecting he's making friends women want to hang out with him he meets a woman that he likes how does he escalate he tells her he thinks she's sexy <laughs> simple just uh being honest just as he would about anything else uh yeah i mean any it's just an iteration of his stating his attraction to her um but he should do that actually from the beginning from the first two minutes he's meeting a girl um it should just be a natural it should just be a natural thing because he is attracted to women and those are the types of things that men say who are attracted to women. Um, now, again, do you think you should do that in every case? In every case that you're attracted to somebody, yeah. Unless it's like a mom that is, I don't know, <laughs> like unless it's an obviously not an, an obvious situation where you wouldn't. So, what if you're at work? Oh yeah, so like at work. Um, yeah, no, you shouldn't do that at work just because that's against the law. And that's like a professional place. So, yeah. Yeah, I just, I mean, all I was driving home is that context matters, right? And um, what, you're oh, yeah. what you're talking about is being, not being inhibited and sort of like expressing yourself and being vulnerable and like saying sort of how you're feeling. And, and I definitely encourage that. But there's also context. Context is important. And like it goes back to emotional awareness. Like you said, you say it in front of someone's mom. And some moms are going to be okay with that. Um, some aren't. Like, uh, And it's being like this consciousness is important. Like we usually say like if somebody's attracted to you, they'll try to get close to you. doesn't matter why that is. 
Um, but if they feel comfortable around you, they won't let you close to them. And context is important because that's going to determine whether or not someone lets you uh, close to them. And our emotions transfer, like how I'm feeling affects the people I'm interacting with and how they're feeling affects me. And like relationships really are like this dialogue of emotion and um, starting from the first interaction. So yeah, I, I just wanted to like pick your brain a little bit on that. Um, the other thing I'll add is like, I, I think that there's a, a verbal part, but also touch. If you're touching somebody, you're holding their hand or like you're running your hand through, through their hair or you're touching their face, like, um, and maybe you're not, you're not going to do that in the first three seconds. Maybe you will, probably not. <laughs> for somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience, it's probably not what's going to happen. But somebody who's like more experienced has more emotional awareness. They might do that um, if they pick up certain things that, for the sake of this podcast, I'm not going to try to articulate. But like um, physical touch and like, and then verbalizing sexual intent or how you feel or whatever, however you want to phrase it, like will create arousal. And if somebody isn't interested then they'll create, they'll start setting up physical or emotional boundaries. So like you run your hand through someone's hair and you're looking in your eyes and you're like, Oh my God, you're so sexy. And, um, if she's not into it, her breathing will change. She'll take a step back. Uh, she'll create space. If you guys are in private, she'll want to move into a public space. If she's here alone, she'll want to go back to the front. It doesn't mean that it will never happen just for the time being. Like this is a reflection of how she's feeling in that moment. And, um, as it can change over time. So I just like thought I would articulate that for people who are listening. And if you have other thoughts, uh, please share them. I also want to ask you a little bit about social and emotional intelligence. I started getting into a little bit. Um, it sounds like you've de- developed a lot of social and emotional intelligence based on some of the things that you're sharing. For a guy who's trying to figure out how to develop social and emotional intelligence, what would you suggest to them? I guess hang out with people a lot, meet new people. (laughs) The more you hang out with people, the more you spend time with people, you're going to just naturally get it. One of the, another question Mike asked about was first dates, uh, practical tips for dates. Like, what do you think dating should look and feel like? I've tried so much and experimented so much over the years doing a million different kinds of dates. Um, I, I really don't think it's that important. I really just think it matters on who you're with. I think so much is time spent with guys trying to attract women that they don't really even give a shit about. They just think they give a shit about because they think that their friends give a shit about it. Or maybe like the world values those things and they don't really even care or they're not even focused on it. They're just focused on how can I make this girl that I have deemed valuable like me? And so if if we're in that dynamic, if we're in that context, then yeah, we have to focus on making the date right because you don't have the right person. So you got to do everything else to, to make that work. But if you have found a girl that you connect with so fucking well you can do anything you can go to like a you know a hot dog eating contest you can go to a a fart smelling con- i don't know like you could do whatever the hell it, it doesn't matter because when you're connected with somebody so strongly any situation is going to be fun any any situation is going to be um 
you know, your own little, your own little joke, your own little game, your own little story. If you go out to dinner and you go to this really expensive swanky place with candles and you're sitting across from each other, you guys could, you know, like if you're super connected, that is not going to like add or, or take away from the date. It will only add to it in a fun way or it's, uh, or in a silly way where you guys are like joking about the fact that it's like, look at this, we're at this cheesy ass restaurant. Look at all these people. Look at all these people on dates being so serious and, oh, yes. Oh, I'd love to take you back to my veranda later. Like, you know, and you can joke about it. So basically, if it's the right woman, you don't got to worry about where the date is or when it is. Or if you guys connect and you really like each other, that's what's really important. So, what I would really um, suggest to people is work on knowing who you like and who you connect with and then only find her don't find anybody else and if you do that then you will have literally have zero dating problems you won't have problems with texting you won't have problems with dates you won't have problems with flakes and if you're getting flakes you're getting all these problems it means that you're just not meeting the right people and so I believe it's all about getting really specific about that. The other thing I would add is like knowing who you are. Right. And that's part of like the self exploration process. Just not, not, knowing, yeah. not just knowing about who you're interacting with, but who you are. And because I feel like people can operate at different frequencies. Right. So like there are definitely people who they want to go out and they want to be seen in really expensive restaurants and like they want to be guys too. Like there's guys who want to be seen with like certain types of girls or in certain environments or in certain types of clothes and certain cars and certain neighborhoods. And there's other guys who just like don't really care. And and this isn't necessarily t- tied to wealth. We have a lot of clients who are pretty wealthy and some care about the stuff and some just like really don't give a fuck at all. And so, yeah, I mean, there's sort of these frequencies that we operate on. And so I guess what I was thinking about is like, I think it's true if this con- if you have that strong connection like nothing really matters it's like you just you don't have to worry about any of that but like it can be nurtured but it can't be forced some people I feel like just operate at different frequencies and and understanding yourself knowing who you are and knowing that like even though you might be attracted to this girl that she she's operating on a different frequency or she on a different set of values and cutting that off quicker rather than later will be immensely helpful. Yep. Yeah, I actually tell my clients to um, write down uh, two two things. One is their value system and then their archetype for who they're interested in. And uh, yeah, so those that's literally exactly what I what I tell people to do. When you suggest someone write down their archetype are you using like someone they know or literature or like someone they see on TV? Like what? Just a mix of everything. Um, just a mix of everything. And it doesn't even have to be all true. And what I mean by all true is like, it can change and it could be something that you're not even super sure about, but I'd rather guys write more and get more specific overdoing it than the opposite, which is what most guys do. Literally, 
most 90% of men have the lowest standards and they think they have high standards. Oh, I just want a girl that's really hot. That's basically all they want, really. Like it doesn't matter any otherwise and maybe some other values. But um, it, that that's low standards. And I just want guys getting focused on saying, no, I actually, I have interests and um I'm specific about what I want and I don't need them to get overly specific. Oh, her lips need to look like this and all that type of stuff. But a general idea of the person that you want and her values, her personality, um, her interests, where does she hang out? Who does she hang out with? When you write all these things down, you start, you start going, Oh wow. Yeah. I didn't even realize that I don't like, a lot of women, there's a certain type of archetype that I'm really into, and I just need to go for that. And I actually connect really well with that type of woman. Yeah, I mean, you're talking, you're essentially talking about intent, right? Having some form of attempt, intent with who you'll meet, so as opposed to like just sort of settling for whatever flops under your plate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I have one more question for you, and this relates to relationships. So let's say a guy's met somebody, he's connecting with her. Um, maybe they're dating a little bit more casually, uh, but they want to move things more seriously. Maybe he wants a long-term relationship with this woman. What do you suggest that he do? I guess he tells her. <laughs> he says, I want to be in a relationship with you. Um I mean, is that a difficult thing for guys if they're if they're already dating somebody and they're going out on dates and they're having a great time and everything's going well? Um, men find it hard to say, "I want to be in a relationship." I mean, I don't know. I mean, I developed these questions with the guys on my team, and that was one of the things that came up. And but I do think that there are people who, as they start to date. Yeah, they, they become inhibited. They become worried about loss, right? Like when we get in a relationship, we make a conscious choice that we're looking for something for like more security and we're willing to give up a little bit of our freedom to do that. And I think some guys feel like they do, they want to do that. And then as they, they get closer, things get more serious. They start getting anxious. I have a client like that right now who I've been working with and three different guys have, in the social network have told him like, this girl you're dating is going to be your wife. And he's starting to get nervous and I don't know if she's the right girl. I don't know if she's the right girl or not, but I think if you're, I feel like if you're uninhibited then, or you're less inhibited, if you're sort of more present, you'll sort of express, you'll express these things. But I see it manifest in all kinds of different ways. I'm also thinking about a conversation I had with this guy who's got really into the polyamory community for a while and he thought it was a solution to everything. And I just, I could see something was off. And as I dug like a little deeper, I found out actually his current girlfriend, he talked her into getting into the polyamory community with him and she hates it. And it's a constant point of conflict for them. And so what I'm getting at is like, so truthfully, he's like manipulating her in order to um, either avoid something or to get something. But yeah, so this pops up in all kinds of different ways. Yeah, so I, I I understand now. So um, this is really uh, the the huge huge issue that many men have, which is neediness and um, neediness freaking sucks, man. <laughs> it took me years to get rid of it. Um, 
it usually affects me before I meet the woman and at, or no, no, that's not true. It affects me as I see that she starts to get attracted to me. That's when my neediness comes in because I start going, Oh wait, Oh, I could really be with her. This could be it. This could be great. Um, and this could be my chance, blah, 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 blah. And it took me years to get over this. Um, but the main point, if you truly 100% want to get over neediness, the thing that you have to do is get comfortable with the idea of never being with somebody for the rest of your life, <laughs> dying alone. And if you could die alone with a smile on your face going, that was fucking great, that life, then you're not needy. Um, and I know it sounds crazy to say, but I also believe that is the only time where you actually could have a real healthy relationship because need is the opposite of love. Love is giving. Need is taking. And um, you can't have a healthy relationship when two people are trying to take or one person is giving and the other person is trying to take. You can only have a healthy relationship when two people are only trying to give. And um, so if you really want to get down to the core of really what it is, it's the fear of being not with somebody that you value for the rest of your life, being alone. And uh, that's a big thing for many people, everybody really. Well, the why? It's because we've just been taught that. It's not like it's part of who humans are. And, oh, it's in, it's, it's, you know, everybody needs to. Penguins stay together forever and all this bullshit. Uh, no, we've just been taught that by marriage and uh, movies and music and books and everything tells us that we need to be with somebody. And um, it's not true. We don't need to be with anybody. Um, but that is what makes being in a relationship all the more special. When people are obsessed with making it happen, kind of takes the romantic side out of it for me. When, when for me personally, I don't need to be with anyone. I could be single for the rest of my life and be freaking happy. I could literally have nobody like me for the rest of my life and I'd be the happiest person on earth. But that is what makes it all the more special um, that I'm in a relationship with somebody that I think is amazing. Um, and I don't have to be. But I really, really want to be. And I think that is what's important. Not, oh my God, how do I get it? 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 And constantly feeling anxious and sad about it all the time. Um, so, yeah, I think self-improvement is can be difficult to swallow at first for a lot of people. Like these concepts of, well, you have to be comfortable with being alone for the rest of your life. Some this huge, scary sounding thing, but um, that doesn't mean that you will, doesn't mean that you want to be, it just means that it's okay. It's okay that you know you don't become famous, it's okay that you don't, you know, get this. You could still be happy, right? 
it's just saying, could you be happy without it? Um, and when you work, when you could work to, to that and say, uh, I'm truly happy just enjoying life as it is, this gift of life being alive is ridiculous. Why could I even ask? How could I even ask for anything more than just being alive? Um, when we get into that place, that is also where we become the most attractive. Um, when there is no need, when there is no neediness, women smell neediness like a shark smells blood in the water. Um, the second she goes, oh, wow, he needs this, doesn't he? He needs me to like him, doesn't he? That's when she loses all interest. At least it, that's how it happened for me all throughout my life. <laughs> but um, so, you know, I have just been focused on being like I going back to the start, being in control of my emotions, how I feel, what I think, what my beliefs are. And uh, that has brought me the most success in in dating and also just being really into women. But uh, I mix those two together and that's kind of brought me to where I am. But yeah, the, if, if, so going back to the question is if, if a guy's seeing somebody and he wants to take it further, what should he do? You should just ask, you want to be my girlfriend? Um, if he's anxious about it, it means he's needy and it's probably not going to be a good relationship anyway. Yeah. I think that's, I think there's a lot of truth in that. I, I think it can get more complicated, like especially with younger guys or guys with less experience, um, or guys coming from a place where they feel like a, they're they're coming from a deficit. They might exhibit like what you described as neediness because they they feel like they're inadequate. And and I think there are other guys who I get in our classes who have had a lot of experience, and sometimes they worry about making the wrong choice. And in both cases. And, and there's some other examples I can also think think of, but it's not, I don't feel like it's neediness. It's, it's a different type of fear. Um, but whether it's those two examples or other things, it is rooted in fear. And I feel like there's this, like, like at some point, if you really like somebody, you just have to make a choice that you're going to be in this and they have to make a choice that they're going to be in it and you're both going to be present and you're going to figure things. As long as you have that consciousness throughout the relationship, it will make things easier and you won't always have that consciousness. Sometimes you're going to drift out or things are going to throw you off track or traumas are going to pop up or other people, are gonna, things are going to happen. But like, as long as you keep trying to come back to like, both people are in this and they're conscious and they're aware of what's coming up and expressing it and being aware of their partner. And like, it's a partnership. Uh, it's a dialogue. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree. Anthony, uh, I know we're getting sort of towards the end of our time. Any last, suggestions tips advice wisdom for the listeners no i think we covered i think we covered a lot today cool man well this has been incredible thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and opening up and sharing so much of yourself and your experiences and if you're listening to this you want to learn more about anthony and the things that he does we're going to post some links on the craft charisma website within the description of this podcast so that you can find out about him more easily. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Thanks so much, Chris. I appreciate it. It's dating coach Chris Thoney here. 
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.